Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 20. The title of the message is, Whose Slave Are You? Some of you might be thinking, I'm a slave to air conditioning. Verse 15, let's just jump right in. What then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And he says, certainly not. Let me give you a little bit of a run-up for this. Most of you, if you've been with us, you understand. Paul started out in chapter 1 of Romans saying, look, you're a sinner. Oh, you're a sinner. Hey, you, you're a sinner too. You're a sinner. We all are sinners. We've all fallen short of the, the glory of God. Then you get to Romans chapter 3, verse 21, and it's awesome. It says, but God has provided a way apart from the law that you can be called righteous, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. It's awesome what God is willing to just give to us as a free gift, nothing you can earn. Now we've rolled now into Romans chapter 6, and what Paul's dealing with is, okay, now, now that I'm a new creation, now that I've got this new relationship with God, what does that mean about my relationship with sin? I mean, if God is willing to give a free gift... Why don't I just do my thing, sin, let him do his thing, forgive. So Romans, 15, Romans chapter 6 verse 15 is, answers that question. But does it look familiar? Chapter 6 verse 15 it says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. It should look familiar to those of you who were here last week. Look at verse 1. What, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How should we who died to sin live any longer in it? The theme for both questions is the same. The theme throughout Romans chapter 6 is the same, which is what is the believer's relationship with sin? If God loves me, even though I'm a sinner, if I gave my heart to Jesus, he makes me just if I, just as if I had never sinned, then can't I just keep on sinning? The, the theme is the same, but it's important to know verse 1 and verse 15 are actually two different questions in the same theme. I won't bore you guys with the Greek tenses because I barely understand them myself. But let me tell you that the, the tenses that are used in these two verses pose two different questions. Here it is. Verse 1, the question is about habitual, ongoing sin. That is... Paul asked the question, look, shall we just continue on like we were? No change uh, to the believer's life. Shall I continue on in habitual sin, addicted to alcohol, pornography, adultery, fornication? Paul says, certainly not. It actually is very emphatic. It means absolutely not. Who are you kidding? Okay. Paul, Paul addressed that last Sunday. He says, look, you're, you're dead to sin. If you're a new believer, if, or if you are a believer, you should consider yourself dead to sin. You died in Christ, you died to sin, and you are now alive to God. That's all encapsulated in this picture of baptism. Okay, It's just a picture, but it's a great way for us to understand, right? You died to sin, right? Uh, you, you held your arms like this and died to sin, right? And you stayed under the water, buried in Christ, you stayed under the water for 10, 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> and then you were raised again to a brand new life. Now you're dead to sin, alive to God. Okay, That's what Paul covered in verses 1 through 14. Now, verse 15 is the same theme, the believer and the problem of sin, but the question is now different. Whereas verse 1, we talked about the habitual lifestyle of sin. Here we go. Verse 15 is about 
the occasional sin. Verse 1 was talking about the ongoing perpetual sin, and the answer was, no way, you're, you're kidding, right? No, you're dead to that. Verse 15, now the question is, what about the occasional pet sin? Paul answers verse 15 the exact same way. Uh, hello, no, you're kidding, right? Never let it be said. Okay? If, you, if you're looking for an outline, here it is this morning. The topic is the occasional pet sin. Verse 16, we're going to see there's a principle that obedience produces slavery. Verse 17 and 18, we're going to see there's an ownership problem solved for you, believer. And verse 19, we're going to talk about an ongoing present strategy. Okay, let's get right into it. Verse 15 again. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Can I keep my pet occasional sin? No way. Why not? Why not, Paul? Come on. Verse 16. Well, here's why. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Why can't I just keep my occasional pet sin? Because of a principle. Here it is. Obedience produces Slavery. Obedience produces slavery. That which you present yourself to when you say, I'm reporting for duty, that becomes your master. Whatever you obey becomes your master. Let me give you an example. Let's say I constantly obey my stomach. It becomes my master. My stomach says, I want five guys burger and a milkshake. And I say, yes, sir, would you like fries with that? <laughs> now, I'm speaking purely hypothetical, right? <laughs> but think about it. Implicit in, in my obedience is when I say, yes, sir, what am I saying? You're the boss. Yeah, you make the rules. You say jump, I say how high, right? The principle is universal. You can apply this to, to anything. Whatever you say, yes, to becomes easier and easier to say yes to. Right? Drugs. Occasionally, I just have a pet sin. Right? It's easier and easier. Alcohol. Occasionally, I'll have a pet sin. Easier and easier to say yes to. Whatever you say yes to becomes easier and easier to say yes to, and it becomes harder and harder to say no to. I think most of you could probably think of an instance where this totally makes sense to you, right? The first time that you were tempted in an area, you remember how that war raged inside you, right? But then the next time it was a little easier and a little easier. Well, what does that tell you then about the occasional pet sin? Eventually it will make you its pet Eventually, the, the thing that you are playing with will one day play with you. You guys remember Siegfried and Roy? Yeah? You guys remember October 3rd, 2003? Okay, you're like, no, I didn't remember the date. But you, you remember the idea, right? What happened was the, these guys are, are lion tamers, right? They uh, supposedly lion, lion tamers. These guys, all of their lives, what they, what they trained to do was train and control beasts. 
Well, October 3rd, 2003 rolls around. One of these tigers goes after Roy. Witnesses say that he was like a rag doll, a plaything in the jaws of this tiger that he had raised from just a pup. Right? The, the, the assumption was, look, I've, I've got this beast under control. I'm a professional. I, I, I can handle this. The principle of obedience and slavery is this. Look, that pet sin that you play with will one day make you its plaything. That tiger that you think you have by the tail will one day turn and eat you alive. Because obedience produces slavery. Matter of fact, you say that with me real quick. Obedience produces slavery. It's a principle that you're going to see throughout this this text. Okay, Negative or positive, obedience produces slavery. Verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Okay, we have an alert. The air conditioning is working. All you people who prayed against it. Ha ha. <laughs> Question is, can I keep my occasional pet sin? Paul says, no. Because obedience promotes, produces slavery. Okay? Here's the thing. Verse 17, there's hope for us. Paul points out to the believer, look, your ownership problem is solved. Look at verse... Uh, Look at verse 16 and you'll see it's, it's in the present tense, right? But now look at verse 17. Past tense. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed, past tense, from the heart, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. If you are a Christian, Paul is talking in the past tense about that day that Jesus legally solved your ownership problem, Right? He's talking about the day you were saved. When it says that form of doctrine, he's talking about the gospel. Right? It's a one-time event. We talked about it last week. We've been talking about it. This one-time event where you were justified. Just as if you'd never sinned. See, when you obey the gospel, this is really good news. And there's people in this room that need to hear this. When you listen to the gospel and go, Okay, I buy into that. I do believe you, Jesus. That you are God. You are man. You did die to pay for men's sins. And I want for you to to make that transaction on my behalf. I can't be righteous on my own. I need for your righteousness to be accounted to me. When you did that, Paul said, this transaction included this death to your old master that was symbolized in baptism. Verse 18, And having been set free from sin, past tense, already you became slaves of righteousness. Now there's something that we hadn't maybe talked as much about, but here's where Paul's going. Look, legally that day you were set free from your old master, but here's the problem. So often we stop right there. We go, okay, I'm free. And what we think that means is I'm free to do whatever I want. No, no. Paul says, don't stop your thinking there. It wasn't like you were just freed from the service to sin. No, you were freed to serve God. Don't think of it like, look, I'm now emancipated. Now I can do what I want. No, think of it, I'm emancipated. Now I can finally do what God wants. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am God's slave. 
See, there's another principle. You are always, every person in this room is a slave. Every single person in this room is a slave. There's, there used to be a guy that walked around Los Angeles with one of those uh, sandwich boards. On the front it said, I am God's slave. And on the back it said, whose slave are you? If you don't believe me, if you don't believe the Bible, you can believe Bob Dylan. That's right. True. He actually wrote a song that says, you've got to serve someone. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve someone. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. And this is true as well. No man can serve no master. Now, maybe you're thinking, not me. I don't answer to anyone. I call the shots. Okay, so your master is yourself. Can I be bold and say you might be serving a fool? Because <laughs> we all serve someone. Paul says, look, and he's speaking to Christians here. He says, look, that day that you received that free gift where you swapped out your filthy rags for God's righteousness, right, in, in Jesus, when you swapped that out, you also swapped out masters. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're now a slave to God. Verse 18, and, and maybe that's unsettling to you, and, and hopefully this will... We'll clarify it. Verse 18. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Look at verse 19. He says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Kind of a left turn there. Why did Paul feel the need to explain himself there in speaking of slaves and slaves of righteousness and slaves of sin? Here's why I think. I think it's because he knows that it's really odd. It's a really odd way to describe your new relationship with your master in terms of slavery. I mean, think about it. If you've experienced this life change that I'm talking about, comparing your old master that, that said, no, you will do this, you will serve me, you will do this. Now the difference. Now we serve a master who set me free. Uh, I, I serve a master who lets me make my own decisions. He, he lets me make mistakes. He loves me when I mess up, but he wants me to overcome. I think Paul's looking at it going, yeah, I know it's odd to call that slavery. <laughs> but he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Here's what's going on, I think. Over half the Roman population at this point were slaves. Every, you know, if you talk to, to ten people on the street, at least five of them, probably more like six or more, were slaves. Remember, Paul is a teacher. He's an awesome teacher. And I think he's latching on to a concept to help the freed slave. How many of you guys remember? It's been a long time. I don't even know if you might think bad of me for having seen it. I, I don't know what it's rated, but oh well. Shawshank Redemption. Seen the movie? Okay. Oh, you sinners too. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> The, one of the, the big concepts in, in the middle of that movie was that there was this prisoner who did not know how to live as a free man. He's, he's been set free, but he's like, I don't have the foggiest idea how to live my life now as a free man. I think what Paul's saying here is, look, maybe this will help you. Don't think of yourself as freed from sin with no one to tell you what to do. Think of yourself as one who's freed from sin and you have someone 
who can tell you how to live. You do have a master. It's just that he is kind and gentle and forgiving and he never fails and he never gives up. But the day that you gave your life to Jesus, your ownership problem was solved legally, right? The deal is where we are right now is what do I do practically, right? What do I do next? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, the occasional pet sin question, Paul says no. The, the reason obedience promotes slavery but he immediately points us to the fact that, look, in your past, if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to him, you can point to that day when you gave up ownership, right? And now we are, then finally, we come to an actual strategy. Verses 19 is going to talk about his ongoing pre- present strategy. Or actually, you could say it this way, your ongoing present strategy. Look at verse 19. He says, here's what you do, knowing these things. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. See, after reminding the saint of a day in the past when your ownership problem was solved, when it was settled, now he says, here's your strategy. Here's what you do. You present. Uh, It means to report for duty. Let me give you the, the Greek. It's peristomai. And it means to stand at attention, stand ready for duty. To, to place at or near one for his or her disposal. I tried to share this on Thursday. The, the closest thing we might have today would be a butler. Okay? So all of you that have butlers can relate. Okay. No. Um, okay, think of a waiter at a really high-end restaurant. Okay, you can't relate to that either. Um, the idea is someone who stands by ready, ready to do. If, if you have a waiter and they're good, they are ready to jump when you say jump, right? They're ready to do that which you want to do. Paul says, look at yourself as a slave, as one who waits upon the Lord, who says, okay, Lord, I'm presenting myself. I'm right here. I'm ready. This has the, has the idea then of reporting for duty, standing at the ready for a master's command. Okay, again, my prayer is that the Lord will actually use this to help us, okay? Please, please pay attention. Probably this is the critical point. I think Paul is saying this. Look, do you, you want to live a life that's abundant and victorious over sin? Or do you want to live one that's held down by sin. If you want to live a life that's victorious, if you want to start winning the war for abundant life, here's the thing. Use this principle. Obedience produces slavery. Use that principle to your advantage rather than to your disadvantage. You've been consistently, if you've been consistently obeying your old master's sin, What have you discovered? Even though you're legally set free, the Bible says it over and over again, you're set free practically, in practice, you're defeated. You are, you keep showing up and doing what your old master wants you to do. You're still a slave practically, even though legally you're set free. Paul says, okay, now think about this. What if you instead now consistently start reporting for duty to your new master? Guess what? Obedience produces 
slavery with positive results, right? Verse 19, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. He says, look, along with knowing and reckoning yourself dead to the old master, we learned that last week. This is the whole message of chapter 6. Let me encapsulate it for you. God has dealt with your sin legally, if you're a Christian, right? How do you deal with sin practically? God has overruled the penalty of sin in your life. But he wants to overcome the power of sin in your life. How does that work? It works as I surrender to him, as I report for duty. If One way to look at it is this way. Are you showing up for work at the right place? You have a new master, a new boss. Are you showing up at the right place? Or are you saying, well, Lord, I, I appreciate what you did for me, but I think this at lunchtime maybe today I'm going to just take a little long lunch and I'm going to go work for my old master. And what you find is that which you obey becomes your master practically. I want to show you guys the importance of presenting. That is, showing up in the right place, reporting for duty. Read for me, you guys, the word present, okay, or present, excuse me. Verse 12. Every time I stop, you guys read, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. I love that. Right in the middle of this chapter, Paul gives a, a, a pep talk, like a coach at halftime. Sin shall not have dominion over you. He's saying, look, I've seen the end. We win this. Okay? Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Notice too that these things lead somewhere. Okay? And look and see where they're leading. Verse 17, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, past tense, yet now you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now skip ahead. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Again, I hope you get it. And this is, the, this is where I'm feeling inadequate. But now it's your problem. <laughs> because God has given us the words, okay? He's, he's given us this living and active word. What Paul has done here has shared with us a huge truth that's useful for the battle, in the battle for holiness. He says, look, just present yourself. Just show up at the right master. Present, it says actually your members. You see that several times it says your members. What does that mean? Your, your body parts. He says, present your members as slaves to your new master. Practically, this is what he's talking about. And I, I take this actually very literally. Every day, the, the first part of the day, present yourself. Lord, uh, here's the finger that used to click on pornography. 
Lord, I'm dead to sin. You say I'm dead to sin. I believe you. Here it is. It's yours. Use it for your purposes. Lord, here's the eyes that used to look at the things that you told me not to look at. I'm dead to that old master. I'm alive to you. Here's my eyes. Lord, give me eyes to see that which you want to do. Not that which I want to see. I am a slave. A slave, by definition, doesn't get to do what he wants to do. Right? A consistent, daily, by the hour, by the minute, giving up your members to him. Lord, here's my mouth that used to say things that were dishonoring to you. Now, Lord, use my mouth in the way that you want to. See, it all boils down to this. I shared this Thursday. I could have saved you a lot of time just by sharing this one thing with you. Galatians says, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This is really important. So often, people come to church and what they think they're hearing or And sometimes what they hear, unfortunately, is this. Work harder. Do more. Stop doing that. Start doing that. As though we have the power to do any of that. No, what Paul says over and over again, it's not what you do, but where you look. That is, whom you present yourself to. Let me put it this way, and you've heard me say it before. If I tell you, quick, don't think of a pink elephant. Oh, see, some of you. Right? It's like, okay, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to stand. I'm not going to... Oh, oh, I just did. Instead of presenting yourself to the Holy One, the Righteous One. Look at your Redeemer. Surrender your members to Him. It's, it's an awesome concept, but it's maybe hard to get out in words. But that is basically what, what Paul's saying here. Is that is how you gain practical mastery over that sin which used to legally have hold over you. Okay, that is the strategy that Paul's revealing here. Now, here's the question. Will it happen overnight? I doubt it. But look at this. He says, for just as, I think it's uh, verse 19, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of, look at this, lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. You notice in there, what we'll call it the principle of spiritual momentum. When you obeyed sin, it led you further than you wanted to go. And it gained momentum. It gained power in your life, right? It got easier and easier to do the wrong thing and harder and harder to do the right thing. Paul says, so now you're dead to sin. You're alive to God. Report for duty to the right master, and guess what? It will get easier and easier to do what he tells you to do. It will get harder and harder to do that which goes against what he wants you to do. It's momentum, right? Once you get moving in a direction, good or bad, it's easy to continue that way, right? Once you get a little momentum behind you, it's easier to go that direction. Direction. We're talking about the, the power of habits. Godly habits will help you. Ungodly habits will hurt you. Let me, let me put it this way. 
Maybe you're thinking of a particular sin or habit and you're like, you know, I really need to stop that or I I really need to to somehow confront this. And I I know I will uh, next week, next year. The habit that you're in now, will it be easier or harder to switch momentum a year from now? Be harder. Lawlessness, it says, leads to more lawlessness and righteousness leads to holiness. Right? Sow a, a thought, reap an action, you may have heard. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle, reap a destiny. It doesn't happen all at once. It's like any crop, right? There's a delay between when you sow and when you reap. But Galatians, once again, says, look, if you don't give up, I promise you, you will reap a harvest, a good harvest. Okay? So there's some motivation now from Paul in reporting for duty. He's like... Maybe you're, you're going, okay, I get it. Report for duty to the right person and you'll end up making progress. But maybe you need a little bit more motivation, some reasons, some reminders. Why should I report to this new master over the old master? Well, look at verse 20. And as we're closing here, you can maybe think of three words. Freedom, fruit, and finale. Freedom, fruit, and finale. Look at verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Paul says, ah, yeah, the good old days when you were free from having to be righteous. Right? Righteousness had no hold on you back then. You could drink what you wanted. You could eat what you wanted. You could sleep with who you wanted. You could watch what you wanted. You could say what you wanted. You could hurt who you wanted. You were free from righteousness. Paul says, how'd that work for you? Verse 21. What what fruit did you have? Then in the things of which you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. That The fruit of that glorious freedom that you had where you didn't have to obey righteousness. What was the fruit of it? Shame, job loss, broken marriage, fortune wasted, friendships broken. The freedom from righteousness resulted in fruit that was rotten. And the finale of it all Death, it says. What fruit did you have when the, in those things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things was death. Here's a quick question uh, to, for introspection. If the Lord has been ringing your bell saying, look, I'm talking to you about this or this, this pet sin. Think about this. Answer this question. What is the end of that? What's the finale for you in that sin? Is it the death of a marriage? When it all plays out, the death of a career, the death of a family, the death of your liver, what's the end? What's the finale? Freedom from righteousness brings rotten fruit and the finale is death. Ta-da! But now, look, if you're a Christian, verse 22, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, okay, you're just making a choice. Who are you reporting to? Christ has made you free not to sin, but from sin. You were free from righteousness. Now you're free from sin. Where the fruit that brought you before was shame, now the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, all those things, Instead of hollowness, it brings you holiness. That's what it says in verse 22. And the grand finale, and you have the fruit to holiness, and it says, and the end, everlasting life. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, do you see? There's no place in here where he says, work harder, do more. No, he says, show up for duty and listen to that master. It says the wages of sin is death. One thing you can say about your old master, sin, he pays. Right? He never misses payday. You will get what you earn, death. Now, if you're a believer, you'll never see that eternal payday because what Jesus has made you justified. He paid for you. He took that punishment, right? But the wages of sin is still death. Again, you can still kill your marriage. You can still kill your job, all of those things. Eventually, something dies when we report to that old master. But contrast that with a new master. And and what are the words? It says gift, free, undeserved. While we were still devoted to sin, we learned in the last chapter, God demonstrated his own love toward us, that he gave us this free gift that we could never earn or deserve. The gift of God is, is, is eternal life. In Jesus. 